how can we as singers continue to improve our voice, give amazing performances, and live out our singing dreams? Hi, I'm Tiffany Van Boxel, and for the last 10 years, I've taught thousands of voice lessons to a full studio of singers. And throughout this time, I have learned so much, and I want to share all of that knowledge with you, invite some amazing guest experts on this show, all to help you to sing better, give amazing performances, and live your singing dream. So let's get started. Brianna Rillas is a Dallas-based performing artist, consultant, singer-songwriter, and author to the book Performing Artist Pathway, Navigating the Hi- Navigate the Highs and Lows on Your Music Journey. Brianna has been a singer and performer for 25 years and has studied internationally and performed all genres from jazz to rock to pop, received a BA in theater arts from Pepperdine University, and spent years honing her musical theater chops. She's going to tell us all about her journey up until this point, and I'm so excited I'm not going to spoil that for you. And we're also going to talk about the way that strategy can positively impact your career, and this is so important. We talk about what is strategic thinking. Brianna is going to give you some strategies for brain dumps, letting go, and prioritizing. We're going to figure out how to decide what you want and the sweet spot between helping others and fueling your needs and desires. We talk about seeing and feeling the positive outcomes of your performance in order to recreate your success. And this is so important because I think a lot of singers have a lot of anxiety over how their performance is going to go or how they're going to be received or how they're going to sound. We talk about making an investment in yourself and getting the help that you need. And one of my favorite thoughts of the episode is that you could be just one piece of advice away from a giant breakthrough. I'm so excited to share this episode with you, so let's get right into it. Yay, we're here with Brianna Raylos, and we're talking about three ways that strategy can positively impact your performing artist career. And yes, you have a career. Like, start taking yourself seriously. And I'm so excited to talk about this. So Brianna, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and how you help singers? Absolutely. And first off, thank you for having me. I'm so pumped to be here. Well, a little bit about me. I've been performing and singing since I was nine years old. I started in the, you know, my third grade talent show singing Debbie Gibson, which, you know, kind of tells you how old I am. I'm a 80s girl, sort of, pretty much. Yes. Um, And I studied musical theater all through my youth through college. I was a a theater, a musical theater major. And then the minute that I graduated uh, from Pepperdine, I decided I was burnt out of musical theater, never wanted to do it again. (laughs) And I really, and I haven't, I actually, I left that behind me. And um, I was in Los Angeles at the time. So I started doing commercial and radio voiceovers, was picked up by a uh, premier talent agency at the time and started doing VO for about two years or three years until I realized that music is my first love. 
So I dropped voiceovers and returned to music, but in the singing fashion versus a musical theater fashion and joined a band, auditioned for American Idol. I was a top 100 finalist season four when Carrie Underwood won, which so was cool. a really, yeah, a really big deal at that time because that was the cattle call days where a hundred thousand people would show up per season and line up, you know, around the huge stadiums and you literally like camped out all night. There wasn't this, you know, get a spot, you know, have a private audition that did not exist back then. And the other thing that really didn't exist back then was um, how social media is used to promote, you know, you being on television or you being on a show. So I really don't have a whole lot of footage from those days. Um, but at the same time, I actually, I capture my entire journey in my book, which I'll tell you about in a little bit, but you know, so that what was you saying, what did you saying? I'm so excited. Okay. So, and this is really interesting because my song choice was not great. It was not great. I started off by singing, I believe it was called like I'll fly away by Christina Aguilera. And I also did Spiderweb by Joan Osborne, which that was kind of more in line with like my vibe. I have like a soulful kind of rock vibe, um, but I have jazz influences. I'm from Texas. So there's a little bit of like country in me, um, but I'm not a country singer. So what happened was all the judges, Paula, Randy, Simon were like, you were great. They were actually wonderful. Simon was super complimentary. Um, versus, you know, what people typically think of him. Um, but they said, you know, we can't quite figure you out. We feel like a Melissa Etheridge vibe, you know, all of those things. So mm -hmm. I took that, and, but they sent me to Hollywood, regardless, you know, it was, it was great. I got my golden ticket. But all summer, because of what Randy said, I just focused on like Melissa Etheridge, which is actually a pretty good lane for me. So I focused on Melissa Etheridge. And that was, that was good, except for the fact that three weeks prior to the Hollywood round, they decided to assign us our songs. Uh, and I moved, so I didn't get the package. So I was like practicing Melissa Etheridge all summer. I show up and I am not prepared because I didn't have the right content. I didn't have the right songs. I've forgotten to notify them that I moved, which was my first massive mistake. Um, <laughs> so long story short, I ended up having to sing um, the letter from the box tops, I believe. And um, it was pretty brutal. Yeah, I, it, it was like the worst mistake that I could have ever made. But, you oh. know, you live and you learn. It was insane. And it's not your fault. And I can't. Oh, they, it's no, I, it's totally it's totally my fault. Like, I have to take responsibility. I should have known better. I should have let him know I moved. You know, it, well, that it is, is what it is. That is so cool. Yeah, it was great. It was really great. So I did American Idol. And shortly after that, I uh, actually got pregnant. And my husband and I started a family. My first daughter was born. And I thought my life was over. Um, because now I can't do music because I'm a mom, right? So, you know, that was my perspective at the time. I was the first out of all my friends to have kids. It was really hard. It was a very tough transition. And for me, it took me probably two years to realize that I can be a mom and have a career. I can be a mom and still sing, have that part of my life. 
um, it, I got very depressed when I wasn't singing. I learned very early on that when you are an artist, it is part of your fabric. It is part of your fiber. If you are not doing it, you will emotionally and physically feel it. You will either be depressed, you will go through withdrawal, all of these things. I think it's just very important for artists to understand that when you are an artist, it never leaves you. It's part of who you are. And so you have to find a way to do it in some form or fashion. It may not be the same way that you've always done it, but you reinvent how you incorporate art, music, creativity in your life. So I learned to do that. I started singing again. I formed a band. My husband and I relocated to Dallas, which is my hometown, started doing music here in Dallas. And that led me to uh, actually become a performance director at a music school here. So I started mentoring and live performance coaching and vocal coaching. And then I realized I was mentoring all the time, which led me to write my book. So that's really what brings us more to the current is um, I wrote a book called Performing Artist Pathway which can be found on Amazon, but it's all about navigating the highs and lows of your music journey. I felt like there was so much material out there on how to sing or how to play guitar, but no one talked about the real life highs and lows that you go through as an artist. And I mean, I just shared with you one of my massive lows was actually having a baby, which was the most beautiful thing in my life, right? You know, my husband and I were so happy. I had a house, I had a family, all these things that I thought I wanted. Yet at the same time, I thought like my life was over. Like how ridiculous is that? You know, um, so many people, you know, want to have families. So I felt horrible for being, you know, so non-appreciative. And then I realized, uh, you know, that's just something that was a journey that I had to experience and go through. So this book is all about, you know, the real life highs and lows you go to, but then also the how to the how to navigate through that and still find a place for your art, a place for your creativity in order to keep that in your world. So that's, yeah, that's awesome. all about the book. Yes, indeed. So being a mom and navigating your music career, I mean, you have to be like pulling some magic, magic time stuff. How are you even doing that? Or what is your strategy? Or is this, is this kind of where we're going with the this is absolutely where we're going. So yes. because of all of the, because of my journey here, but then also all of the things that I do. So I told you prior, my husband and I, you know, we have a restaurant here in Dallas called Victor Hugo's. I support him and his business. I also have my own consulting business. I'm also a singer songwriter and we have three beautiful children. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of juggling that takes place, which is why strategy is so important to me. Because through strategy, I'm able to be very efficient, organized, and focused. And um, I need strategy. Like, there's no way that I'm able to do all of the things that I do without it. And um, as I said also prior, I also realized, because I'm a solution-oriented person, and that's also part of strategy, that I have to let go of some things. So there are going to be things that I have to let go of to make room for everything going on. Because honestly it's not sustainable for me to do all that I do forever. Right. So right now this is a, a time in my life where I'm super busy, but that's not sustainable forever unless I'm going to like, like die really young. Cause there's a lot going on. That's not going to happen. Right. 
No. <laughs> so, so that does bring me to what I wanted to talk to you about today, which is three strategies that will positively impact you, your career as a performing artist that you can create, right? And I wanted to start off really by talking about what strategy is and to help you understand that strategy is not necessarily a skill that you develop. It's more of, um, it's more of a perspective on the world. Okay. So if you think about what Clifton, the Clifton strengths, so there's a, the Gallup, you know, Clifton strengths finder, they talk about strategic thinking. So according to that assessment, they say that strategic thinking is not a skill that can be taught. It's actually more of a perspective on the world. Strategic thinkers can see patterns where others simply see complexity. They can quickly identify the paths and discard the ones that lead nowhere. So I start here because I feel like it's important for you to understand that strategy is all about seeking solutions. And it's about looking at your world differently, but also your career differently. Because I believe that there's not one cookie cutter way of doing everything. I think you have to look at who you are as an artist, look at who you are as an individual, and create solutions that are in line with how you operate. Because one organizational or time management tool is not going to be effective um, for everyone, right? So ultimately different strokes for different folks. Now, I think when you, you know, are thinking about who you are and what you want, then you can create strategy and plan accordingly. So that is why we can't compare ourselves to other people because what works for them may not work for you. So that's, um, you know, something that we can understand is that when we have our own strategies, then that enables us to have focus, have efficiency, and take actions on the things that are priorities to us individually. Um, so ultimately, I found out through this Clifton Strengths Assessment that strategy is my number one core uh, gift or strength, okay? Which I'll be honest, I was shocked, um, but it made sense. Once I looked at everything, I, I've always been the type of person that says, how can I do this more effectively? How can I do this differently? This system kind of stinks. I'd really like to change it up to, to make it easier, save me time, all of those things. I've always operated like that. So it makes sense that strategy is something that is very important to me. And because it comes easy to me, I like to share it with others. So you want me to just go ahead and jump into those three ways that strategy can positively affect, affect your career as performing arts? Yeah, I'm so excited. And maybe you'll get to it, but I was just wondering what you, how you figure out what to cut out. Is, mm -hmm. that, is that part of the three or are we thinking like, how did you figure it out? Like, did you, do you use like the 80-20 rule, you know, where, what is, is it, what is it, Pareto's principle? where 80% of your time is focused on the things or you cut out 80, you yeah, focus you your 20%. Yeah. You focus your 20 on the stuff that's really moving the needle. I do think about the 80, 20 rule often. And I actually talk about the 80, 20 rule in my book. Awesome. Um, and are you using what, your gut too? Or I do. I operate 
really highly on my gut. Like I follow my natural gut and intuition every single day. Um, but to answer your question, that is actually the first thing, the first strategy uh, in my three. So that was an amazing segue. Thank you. The first strategy is the strategy of slowing down. So what I do, um, I, I try to do this every single day, but I don't do this particular exercise every day, but I, I take time every day to really slow down. I meditate, I pray, I journal, I write down the things that are top of mind. I write down the things that, I, that I'd like to accomplish in the day. And I write down the priorities. My day is very busy, as you can imagine, just like I'm sure yours is. I know you have a lot of awesome students. You have a membership program that you're promoting. So you have a lot of things going on. So um, with that, it's important that, yes, that you're spending your day focused on the right things. So what I like to do, and again, I don't do this every day, but at least every three months, I do a massive brain dump. So to answer your question on how do I know what to spend my time focused on or how do I know what to work on, I do a brain dump and I, I actually will set my timer for about 10 minutes and I'll think about my, I like set out a piece of paper, I get all my pretty colored pins out, my glitter yes. pins, all my pretty colors, some of them smell because I stole them from my nine-year-old. You know, and I will divvy up the piece of paper in quadrants. So, you know, the top doesn't really matter how, but I think of it in terms of like personal self-care, uh, business or career, home and relationships, and then creative. So I'm thinking in four different ways. And then I just start putting pen to paper. I get my creative music going. I have this Amelie CD that I listen to, or We Bought a Zoo. I don't know if you know that soundtrack, but it's incredible. And that's actually my writing music. So anytime I'm writing or creating, um, when I was writing my book and I woke up every morning at 4.30, I would literally go straight to my computer, put my earbuds in, and I would listen to We Bought a Zoo or Amelie. And I would just go. Like, it was amazing. So I set my timer for 10 minutes. I put pen to paper. And I, and I think about what I want out of those four quadrants. And I don't time, I mean, I don't, judge it. I think about, okay, what do I want in my career the next three months? You know, or what's the most pressing thing that's bugging me? Like what, what in, what in five years am I going to be mad at myself for, for never doing or for not doing right. And then I just start everything that's coming to mind. I literally just dump it onto a piece of paper. And when that 10 minutes is up, I stop. And then I take a look at it and I look for commonalities and I start circling things that, that are important. And then I, go into it. And then I start prioritizing and I start prioritizing, okay, what is going to make the biggest difference in my life or my career right now, if I were to get it done. So I had told you that I'm working on an online course. Well, I've been putting this off for a while, but me finishing my online course is going to make a major impact in my career and in my life and not just mine, but in others, because I know that what I'm creating is going to be very beneficial and valuable and helpful to other artists out there. So I circle that because that is my priority right now. So what that means is I take away all the other distractions and I kind of put it underneath. So once I get my priority done, then I can start getting to the other stuff. But it, it just gives me clarity to understand that there are a gazillion things that can distract you and take you away from what your main priority is. 
And if you allow those distractions to take over, you will not get your stuff done. The important stuff, the 20%, right? The 20% that's going to move the needle. My online course is the 20%. The 80% is all of those courses that I've signed up for that, yeah, I need the education, but it's taken me forever to get through uh, that, that I will put that I sprinkle in there, but in small chunks, like, okay, 30 minutes a day or an hour a day or whatever it is, but I can't spend all my time taking webinars and courses. I need to start implementing things in my own business, or I can't spend all my time coaching others, or I can't spend all my time, you know, just singing or whatever it is, because, well, how is that creating money? If I'm just spending all my time, you know, focused on the, my, my voice technique, right? So, you know, thinking about in terms of that. Now, if your number one goal is to become the best singer you can possibly be, then, then you need to be putting in your vocal exercise routine. You need to be seeking performance opportunities. You, need, you know, you, everything that you need to be doing needs to be focused on that priority, on that goal. So, yeah. Well, and if you don't feel confident with that, I mean, how are you going to share your music with others? But what are some things that because I, I think a lot of our listeners might be a little leery of the word business and like career and like, is this really me? Or like, what does this look like? Like, is this my full time thing? Or can it be whatever I want it to be? And then like follow up, like, what are some examples that you may have seen some of, of your clients put in the, the career business bracket for their singing sure okay so there there is a decision that you make as an artist as a singer or vocalist to decide okay is this fun is this a hobby is this something i just enjoy doing and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that if that is you then keep singing keep performing keep doing your thing you don't have to worry about all the other stuff. If you want to share your music, then you can share your music with friends and family. You're not trying to get national notoriety or anything like that. If you are in the other uh, department of people who say, well, you know, I actually want to have a sustainable career in music. I actually want to have, and when, to go back to your question, business or career, that's a, that's a mindset. You have to, decide, no, 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 no. I want to find a way to actually make money creating and doing music. And now more than ever, in my opinion, you have the ability to do that because of the World Wide web. Yeah. You know, back in the day, you had to get a record label or, you know, whatever it might've been. But nowadays you don't need a record label. You can be an independent artist. You can release music. You can release a lot of music. You can be on Spotify playlists. You can sell your music internationally uh, and reach people through social media across the pond. There's so many different ways for people to discover you. So, you know, it, it's, it's up to you to decide where you want to be and, and, or and also what your level of success in music is. You have to define that for yourself. My level of success is, you know, I want to be creating, I want to be making money. I, I don't want to be in the hole. That's my level of success. You know, not to say that I don't have like large lofty dreams because I do have lofty goals, but 
I just don't want to be in the hole. If I'm spending, you know, five grand on an EP, then I want to clear that and make some money off of it. Or, you know, maybe that leads to something else. Or I also, I also want to share. So I want people, I would love, my form of success would be somebody emailing me and saying, oh my gosh, Brianna, that song you just wrote, like that changed my life or that it really impacted me or like to me, boom, done. When I wrote my book, that's what I thought about. I thought if I could just impact one life, if one person tells me, Brianna, your book helped me so much, then it's all worth it to me. And that's just, but that's my heart. That's, that is the intention behind the book. Now, the other intention behind the book was that I wanted to use it as a way to build my consulting business and get myself in the door. So that, you know, there's two things there. There's a logical, you know, practical reason I'm creating a book that I believe is valuable to help me build my consulting business. And then there's the other heartfelt reason, which is very important to me which is I want to make a difference. I want to create value for somebody else, but it's the same thing with our music as artists, right? We want to create music to impact the world, to share with others, but we're also very talented and we should be compensated for our work and it is work. So that's kind of where you have to decide, you know, as far as business versus career or hobby, right? And again, no, um, as far as my, uh, artists who they just want 300 fans. They want 300 fans who are listening to them, who are buying their music, who are buying their merch, who are following them, following their journey, who are they, who they are engaged with. Right. And then I've got artists and, you know, clients who, you know, they want to be on tour. They want to be, they want to grow their fan base exponentially. They, they want to be impacting hundreds of thousands of people. Right. So but there's no wrong answer there. Both of them are going to have careers in music and both of them are going to have their own levels of success. So it's all very relative. I love it. Well, and what would you say to the people who are like, I know that I want these things, but I'm not sure if I'm good enough. That's tough. I would say the first thing is you have to believe in yourself because if you don't believe in yourself, no one else will. And secondly, you need to get a professional opinion. <laughs> so you're other than your mom or your best friend, you know, go see a consultant, go see a coach who can give you a professional opinion. Now, that being said, that's just an opinion. It's, you know, art is uh, very subjective. And at the end of the day, if you want to be doing that, there's an audience for you. You know, we talked earlier about niching down. You might have to really niche down to, to find your, you know, crazy, you know, super fans who are super into your vibe and, and what you're putting out there. And at the, I, I, it's just important that you understand that if this is important to you, uh, test it out. You're never going to know until you try. If you're not profitable after five years, then maybe you continue doing it, but you know, you also make sure that you're able to pay your bills, be responsible. Yeah. I love it. And there's no shame in that. There's no shame in, you know, having those odd jobs to support your artist career until you can get your artist career profitable. Everyone does that. That's, you know, that's part of being an artist is having those multiple streams of income and getting creative with how you're going to receive income. 
Yeah, definitely. I just interviewed Erin um, Burns, Erin Elizabeth Burns, and she is an actress and she was talking about how 95% of the people who are acting, working actors, that is not their full soul income stream. Yes. And it cannot be. So, well, I love it. And I love how you wrote, how you talked about the strat. It was kind of a strategy within a strategy of, you know, doing something that's going to logically impact your career, like financially and, but also something that's true to your heart. Absolutely. That's the sweet spot, right? It's, it's like providing like what you love and what you're passionate about, what you enjoy, but also what others need hear, um, need want to hear, et cetera. So you're, you're helping others, but you're also, you know, operating from a really pure heartfelt intention, which is important to me. And I understand that not everyone operates in that way, but that's certainly uh, always been very important to me in how I work with my clients and how I work, not just my clients, but also my partners. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really important to me. And it, and it was a really beautiful ride, a, a really beautiful journey to create that. Yeah. Yes. So number okay. one was like slow down and- Yes, the strategy of slowing down, that's right. So again, ultimately when we slow down, you're gonna be able to really find your focus and create a plan based on those priorities to implement your step, your next steps. Okay. So the second one would be as a singer performer would be your performance strategy. Okay. Uh, whether it's an audition or a show performance, you must have a game day routine. You must get your coaching time in and you must analyze what's working and what's not. Yes. Um, I think you, Yes, I think you should also be very hungry and committed to growing your craft and above all, be focused. So we talked about earlier eliminating the distractions. It's very easy to get sidetracked. Let's say in an audition scenario, you know, when I think about strategy in an audition scenario, not to concern yourself with anyone else in the room. You're there very specifically to execute, to do your job and to essentially implement all the skills that you've been working on with your coach or consultant or whatever it was leading up to that audition. So who cares what, who cares what the guy next to you sounds like or what they look like or any of that, because you're there for one reason and that's to get it done. Yes. Um, I love it so much. Like that's, and that's, I like, I have a free training that's all about that. Um, it's called Gut Cast Fast, Four Steps to Earning Your Dream Music Theater Role. And you can register at starsinger.co slash register. And we talk about this. We talk about auditioning for shows and choosing songs that are going to suit you, like, strategically. That's and right. This is awesome. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the other thing to, to have, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, your strategy going into it, it's so mental. It's, an ex- it's a very, very mental um, thing, not just auditioning, but also performance, live performance. And if your head is not in the game and you're not focused, you will not deliver. And you also need to be focused on the positive outcome versus like a negative outcome that took place a year ago or, or six months ago or whatever that might be, is always really visualizing that positive outcome. And not just 
seeing yourself in that outcome, but feeling it. Like think about, oh, what was, what was a positive outcome? Like I had an amazing audition six months ago. How did I feel after that? How did I feel when they gave me the call back? How did I feel when I got the part? How did I feel when I walked out of there, right? And then kind of harness that, that feeling and focus on that on this next audition so that you can recreate that same success. So you're recreating that, you know, the same, yeah, the same success ultimately. So that's really important and not trying to figure out what the casting director wants because what they want could change by the hour. You know, they start the day and at the end of the day, they're like, wow, okay, I thought I wanted this, but I just saw her and that changed my mind. Or maybe not. Maybe they know exactly what they want and there ain't nothing you can do about it. So ultimately not worrying about what they want. And like I said, be committed to growing your craft. There's always something that you can learn. So I think the performance strategy is very, very important, but you have to have that preparation that goes into place prior to the audition and the performance. Yes. Love it. And a lot of people will, you know, email me and just say like, Tiffany, like I'm feeling stuck. And I'm like, okay, what are you doing? And like, they're not doing anything. Like they're not taking voice lessons. They're not, you know. Even if it's just an audition prep, like take an audition prep session. Yeah. Just, and it doesn't have to be committing to months of vocal lessons or, you know, just get in there for an hour or do two sessions and like really hone, you know, hone in on what you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish. Oh, exactly. Definitely. People definitely underestimate the power of preparation. They think, oh, I'll just skate on in there and expect to like kill it. That's ridiculous. Well, and you don't have to spend like thousands of dollars on voice lessons. Like maybe you just need to go in and kind of like get like some advice, some eval. I mean, I was like doing stuff for like my own nutrition and it wasn't work. I went into a nutritionist and they were like, Tiffany, you're a healthy fats body type, whatever that means. I need healthy fats apparently. But I just like started incorporating healthy fats and less carbs. And I literally just like lost 10 pounds, like boom, like just in a month. And like, I'm pretty small to begin with. So it's like, that's a lot. And I was just like, that one like small piece of advice, just like changed everything. And so maybe you are one small piece of advice away from making a breakthrough. Absolutely. And you won't know unless you invest in yourself. And like you said, you don't have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on it, but you have to make an investment in yourself. You have to make an investment in your artistry and you have to get the help that you need. If you are sitting there stuck, there's a reason for it because you're not seeking the help that, that you need. And you're not making those investments for yourself Um, or you are doing too much and you're not prioritizing and you have like, you're just like scattered. Like there's almost so much going on that you can't even figure out, well, what's my first step out of all of this, right? Which is your first step, slowing down. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's, that's where I always bring people. That's always the beginning for me is slowing down and taking inventory. Always the beginning. We don't want to slow down because it's like a sign of weakness, you know, or like culturally it can be for some reason. 
It's like, we're not, if we're not sacrificing all of the things and we're not doing it right. And it's just not true. No, it's not true. It's a big fat lie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So we're moving on to the third. So again, the first strategy would be the strategy of slowing down. The second would be, you know, really creating that performance strategy for yourself. And lastly, the business strategy. So as we've talked about, there is so much more that goes into being a performing artist than simply showing up for an audition, singing, creating music, going into the studio um, and laying down some tracks. There is uh, so much more that goes into it. So it's important that you take ownership in your artist business, in your artist brand. So for those who, like I said, this is just a hobby, no shame in that. Keep, keep making music, keep enjoying it. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But for the rest of you, take ownership in your artist business and in your artist brand. So like I said, I take a small business approach to my music business. And I believe that I am, my brand is the business essentially. So that means from sales and marketing to networking, you know, at the end of the day, you might have a really great product, but if no one can find you and if you don't have brand continuity across your platforms, if you don't have a strong web presence, if you don't have, um, if you're not talking to people to tell them about what you do, then no one's ever going to know that you have this beautiful product. So it's really important that you create a business strategy for yourself so that you can have a clear path to execute upon your goals. And to follow up with that, it goes back to, you know, are you in growth mode or are you simply comfortable? No, you have to forge the path that best represents you and your strengths and you have to get the support you need. So maybe that means you need a little bit of business education or business support hire a consultant, you can hire me, or you can take my online course when it's available, or guess what? There's a gazillion different, you know, with the web, there's a gazillion different amazing avenues that you can explore out there. I'm not the only one that's talking about music business and creating a sustainable career in music. There, there's people that I take courses from and listen to because I'm still learning, and not to mention, the music business is changing every single day. I can't even keep up. I can't keep up with Spotify. I can't keep up with Facebook. You know, there's yeah. something new every day. So it's important that you're staying on top of that. And it's important that you're open to growing and learning, you know, different things. And like, for what sure. are some examples of like a potential business strategy? Like I know for me, but I'm not an artist. Like the podcast is one of my main sources of content. Like, I'm not doing YouTube, I'm not doing blogs, I'm not doing emails, I'm not doing it. I don't like it, it's too much. I'm doing the podcast, this is where it is, this is how it goes down. Everything I'm promoting is the podcast. Right, right. Um, Guests I'm sharing with, it's the podcast. So that for me, my whole strategy starts with the podcast and it's just that one thing that I can focus on so what is an example of that as like an artist? What? So for me, you know, 
I actually talk to artists a lot about, again, taking that small business approach. Like I look at it as the big picture and that will be, you know, a lot of what my, right. what my course is focused on is, is really thinking about the big picture of your music business and everything that entails. Because as independent artists, we don't have a huge team doing everything for us. It's really important that we understand what it takes to actually create a sustainable career for ourselves outside of just making music. So I go into the importance of marketing strategy and brand continuity. So just to keep something very, very simple for you, for example, you know, I want to make sure that your messaging, your brand messaging, and this is very simple, is consistent across all your platforms, your website, your podcast, your Instagram, your Facebook. And by the way, I don't think you need to be on every single social media platform. If you're not using Twitter and all of your podcast followers are not on Twitter, why have a Twitter account? account? Um, it's, it's just one avenue that you have to spend time on. Now, uh, the other flip to that is, well, I can always just make a post in Facebook and have it auto, you know, populate over to Twitter, which is fine, but you're not really engaging on Twitter. You're just simply like throwing stuff out there. Well, and that's you know, not strategic. That's just that's posting not. to check something off your to-do list. Just, exactly. Exactly. And so you have to think about where your audience is. You know, for you, your audience is, is on the podcast or in however else you, they find you through Apple yeah. Music or through, you know, whatever that might be. And so, but that being said, you know, it, it's really important because of, of, of how people discover you. I think Facebook and Instagram are very important. So making sure that you're about uh, and, and, you know, your links are directing them to your podcast or your website, right? Because your website should clearly get them to your podcast or, you know, be linked directly to your podcast, whatever that might be. So from, you know, when I'm talking to artists, I'm talking to them about, you know, let's make sure that we have a really clear, strong brand message. You know, who are you as an artist? And don't just tell me like, I, I look at somebody's Instagram and I see, you know, it just says country, you know, and maybe it says where they're, where they're at, but it doesn't tell me anything. Like I have, you have three seconds for me to look at your Instagram page and know what type of artist you are. And then the, all their pictures are really random. Like I can't look at their pictures and decide, well, so what type of artist are you? Like what, like what is this? Or what's important to you even? And it, I, I don't fall into the category of feeling like you have to have this beautiful polished Instagram feed. And I'm kind of creative, not kind of, I'm creative. And I, I think it's interesting to see who they are as a person, their quirks, their personality, things like that with the music, you know, 80% of the post should be the music. 20% can be like the personality and quirky stuff, you know, that type like of thing. That. Yeah. That's, but so mainly easy. music driven, mainly mocha. And that doesn't mean all you, it could be you supporting others in music. It could be you talking about an artist that you're, you know, totally is your idol or whatever that might be, but it's music focused, music centric. And then that 20%, you know, gives us a little insight on who you are because you're a real person you're identifiable and people want to connect with you. That's why they follow you because you look fun. You look cool. You're, you know, everything's you just, you, I want to be your friend. You know, I, yes, I want to listen to your music, but I also want to, I want to know who you are. I want to be like part of your club, you know? Exactly. And I but, love the message thing because like, 
you might feel this was my fear i fear that i'm repeating myself over and over and over again but to this point you like i went live on instagram two days in a row basically doing the same topic but because of the interaction with the people and it was different times different people saw it different people interacted with it and it turned into something completely different but it was the both able time. to share yeah it was able to share my message so as an artist if you feel like you're constantly like you might feel like you're constantly repeating yourself but i think that's how people might get to know who you are better well, and that's that's brings us to consistency and consistency is strategic as well but you have to understand your story and your brand story and you have to understand who you are and and, and being consistent with your messaging and a lot of what I do is also when I say taking that small business approach, it's, it's going through exercises that, that help you flush that out. What is my brand story? What am I trying to say? What is my music about? What am I passionate about? Who am I as an artist? But not only that, who am I as a person? You know, what, what do I stand for? What do I believe in? What, what do I want to share? What do I want people to know about me? What do I not want people to know about me? You know, um, so it's, you know, taking that approach of really being clear and consistent with your messaging across all platforms. I don't want to go to Facebook and see a totally different photo, a totally different logo, a totally different website link and a, and a different like about like enough that it, that looks like that's a totally different person. Who is that? Is that the same person? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So, it, it, that's simple. And that's a very, very simple thing that you can do. That is not brain, brain science. I am not the only person in a, you know, the world who thinks that that's important. Uh, but that's very, something very simple you could do right now to just clean that up, you know? I love it. And this has been great. I love all of the strategy and the focus. It's so on my brand. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and so where Wonderful. can we find you and learn more about you? And Thank you. Yes, yeah. I appreciate that. So you can find me at briannarelasmusic.com. So that's B-R-I-A-N-N-A, relas, R-U-E-L-A-S as in Sam, music.com. And you can find my book, Performing Artist Pathway, on Amazon. And stay tuned because my online course all about the big picture of your music business is going to be launching uh, in several months, probably by the end of summer or fall. Ooh. And I'm very, very excited to share that. And it, it's definitely in line with everything we've talked about today, uh, aligning yourself with the big picture of your music business and then creating strategy and, and systems, putting those systems in place to make life easier on yourself, you know, saving that time and energy and not uh, spinning your wheels so hard. Awesome. Yeah. And you guys, the book is beautiful. Like it's a real book. Like not that, uh, not that an ebook isn't a real book, but like she held up a physical copy and it's beautiful. <laughs> and it's like a guy, yo, you can hear my cat in the background. I just want you to, I just want you to know that because it's not like a baby or anything. I'm not like <laughs> letting it cry. It's, he's singing. Yeah. He's, he's like ticked off. We're not paying attention to him. He's like, I want to sing. But yeah, her book is beautiful. And it, it looks just like a really nice guide that you can have, a physical guide that can, if you, if you need to feel inspired or you need the next step, that's there for you. 
Absolutely. Please, yeah, pick up a copy and, and come see me at briannadrellismusic.com. And I can't thank you enough for having me. Oh, it's been and wonderful. I look forward to, to staying in touch. Definitely. Thank you so much for listening to the Star Singer Podcast. If you are loving this podcast, if you are loving this content, you want to keep getting more amazing episodes just like this, I would absolutely love it if you could take one minute out of your really busy day and leave a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps with our rankings and it's going to allow other singers to be able to find us and join you in your journey to singing better, giving your best performances, and giving amazing auditions. I would so appreciate an awesome rating and review. We're going for five stars here. So thank you so much.